Well, good morning. Um, I'm not Pastor Paul. Um, I look kind of like him, but I got the good parts of both him and my mom. Um, I'm, uh, my name is Ben. I'm the youth and young adults pastor here at Glad Tidings, and uh, I get to fill in for Pastor Paul today. So he's back next week. He'll be back uh, this week in the office. So if there's anything that you want to change in the church, let me know. We have like eight hours before he gets home. So you want to rip the pews out, you want to change the carpet, you want to paint it more gray, we can do that. Uh, just let me know. We'll have, we'll have a booth set up in the foyer for suggestions. Um, do we have any basketball fans here? Yeah? Three. Good. It's Canada, so it's not super popular. But um, I, I'm a big fan of basketball. I play it. It's the only sport I was really good at. Uh, growing up besides lacrosse. So play basketball, watch basketball, whatever. But this season, one player that I've really come to enjoy is Joel Embiid, and he's about that size. Um, that's actual size. He's very big. Uh, he's about seven feet tall. He's, he's 24. Can you believe that? He's, he's a year younger than I am. Oh, boy. I got the wrong end of the gene pool. Um, he is big. Um, but he's... Been playing in the league, NBA, for a couple years. He's, uh, he's really good, but he's also good off the court. His mouth is one of the more popular parts about him. Uh, he's really good at just chirping people and getting under their skin and whatever. But I've really come to enjoy watching him over the last little while. But one of the things he always preached, uh, he's played for the 76ers, and they haven't been good for about 20 years. Um, but... The last four seasons that he's been on them, they still haven't been good. He's been injured, all these different things. But he always kept preaching, hashtag trust the process. That was his big thing the whole time. He's like, I'm coming back. We're going to get some new players. We're going to be good. Trust me. Just trust the process. And he's been saying that for like three years. So this year, he was a little bit more healthy. He played through the playoffs. They drafted some people over the last couple of years. And they were able to get into the playoffs and play and actually do well. And so now you're starting to see the fruits of the process that he's been talking about. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit today, is the idea of trusting the process. Um, one thing that stood out to me the whole time that he was hashtagging and tweeting about it the whole time for the last couple years is just how hard it is to trust the process. Um, we've all got processes in our lives. We've all got, we're all on a journey, and it's hard to stick it out. It's easy to jump on something that's moving, jump on something that's successful, that's moving. It's easy to be a Warriors fan because they're always good. Um, but it's hard to trust something when it's not working, when you're struggling, when there are issues, when you can't see the end of the tunnel. It's hard to trust it, and sometimes you want to just back out and go the way that you know. But good things take time. Food, buildings, a Lego Death Star takes time, and it's a process. King Solomon took 20 years to build the temple and his palace. Can you imagine waiting 20 years to build your house? Like, you could potentially start building your house, have a kid, and they would be moved out before the house was done. <laughs> so you're, so I mean, some, for some of you, that's ideal. You can build the house. You don't have to plan a room for them. You can just be like, this is going to be the music studio that I'm not going to use already. It's, you plan that ahead that you don't have to put a bed in there and the whole thing and wait for them to move out. Um, 
No, he's not here. I won't make fun of him. I was going to say, if you're my brother, he doesn't move out. Um, but <laughs> he's working on it. Um, but uh, God's working on all of us. Uh, he's, every one of us is on a journey. Every one of us has a process. And it's a process because God deems us worth it. Um, he doesn't think, if, he, if God really didn't care, if God wanted to just get it over with, then he would just be like, okay, you're fixed, you're fixed, you're fixed. But as anybody that's old enough knows, when you go through a process, when there's a learning process, when there's experiences, then you learn so much and you grow so much out of that. There might be different steps, there might be different challenges, but he's working on all of us. And Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who's at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Um, if you know me at all, you know I like meat. Just meat, any meat, it's good. Um, I like meat, I like to cook meat, I like to watch people cook meat. It's, if you look at, this sermon is pretty much an extension of my Instagram because it's just, my Instagram is just basketball sneakers and people cooking meat. That's pretty much it. Just, it's amazing how much time I spend watching someone put a steak on a grill and just watch that for like 45 seconds and then do 30 of those videos. God's still working on me. Um, so, but I like to cook. I'm sorry if you're a vegetarian. Um, I like wings, meat, ribs, whatever, steak, all that stuff. I understand if you have dietary restrictions, but I don't understand why, as uh, Acts 10:15 says, you would call something unclean that the Lord has deemed clean. Um, so, I eat meat. I get, it's different now, and everybody, like, the mass production and meat and the Food Inc. movie and all that stuff. I get that, but I still eat it. Um, so, that being said, I find the process of cooking a steak is actually a neat metaphor for the way God works in our lives. And I spent a lot of time cooking meat, so uh, it was easy for me to pull out. Um, I'll preface this by saying this is kind of the way I cook meat or a steak. So I know there's different ways, and some of you like barbecue sauce and whatever, but that's okay. Um, but when I cook a steak, I usually just use like salt, pepper, garlic, garlic. That's about it. If I'm cooking in a frying pan, use a bunch of butter. Use a grill, a little bit less, whatever. But uh, the better the cut, the less you need to do to it. Um, when you look at the salt, you have your meat. When you season it with salt, it creates a reaction through osmosis, and it sucks out all the water and the moisture in the meat. Um, still leaves it moist or whatever, but it still, it sucks it out, so you get kind of this puddle on top. And after a while, it takes about 40 minutes, it begins to break up the meat, and then the meat opens up and absorbs that moisture back inside of it. So then you get a nice tender, salty all, mixture all the way through. But if you don't wait long enough, if you don't wait the 40 minutes, then you just get this kind of film on top. You go to cook it, if you don't get a good sear, and the whole thing, I won't get into it, but it takes that away. So if you don't have time, you got about three minutes, you got to start cooking it before the salt starts to react. Um, and in the same way, I am going to make, this is going to make sense. Um, in the same way, God's got stuff that he wants to work on us and work through us. There's strongholds, there's struggles, there's addictions, there's all these different things that he wants to remove, but it takes time to do it properly. And he wants to break through, and he, first he needs us to open up. And sometimes that takes a long time. But he wants to break down these things so that he can move through us. But we have to trust the process, even when it seems on the outside that nothing is happening. But if we don't 
give it time, if we cut the process short, then we can stop it from happening the right way. We can block it, and we can actually block things and growth that God knows that we need. The next thing I use is black pepper. You got nice, fresh ground black pepper. Makes, it makes a difference when you're cooking your meat if you can get some uh, fresh ground. But uh, the black pepper actually gets rid of some of the uh, carcinogenic compounds that form on the top of the meat. And in the small doses, they're not really harmful, but in larger doses or over time, it may become harmful. We might not even know uh, that they are harmful when they're there. And when we allow God to work on us, he takes away all these things that we might not even know that can hurt us or that we might think we can handle. We can think, oh, well, that's just, that's just this. I just watched this, or this is just this thing. It's not a big deal. I got it under control. But the enemy is working in the background, and we might not be ready for it. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And then lastly, I had some garlic. I really like garlic. Probably too much. Um, sorry for anyone who has to talk to me. Um, but uh, garlic adds this pop of flavor that the meat doesn't usually provo- uh, produce on its own. And the same way, God gives us opportunities and gifts and skills and things that we can do that without him wouldn't be possible. Once it's take a season, you want to cook it on a high heat. I know some people like to kind of low heat, let it simmer and cook all the way through. But you want to cook it on a high heat, get a good gradient, sear the outside, nice pink on the inside. It gives it time to cook, but not enough time that it's cooked through and you're done, because that's gross. Um, who likes, quick poll, um, I know we all like our steaks differently. Who likes like rare steaks? You get a steak, rare, okay. Medium, kind of your medium, medium well. That's probably majority, I'm there. Yeah, anybody well done? Okay, we'll have altar time after. Um, for anybody <laughs> likes a chewy steak. Um, but uh, just because the end result is different, we all like our steaks different, whatever. Just because our end result, is dif- end result is different doesn't mean it's better or worse unless it's well done, but that doesn't fit with my analogy. Um, it doesn't mean it's better or worse. We're each on a journey, and God is working in our lives, and we can't focus on someone else's process. Have you ever, like, if, have you ever gone to the gym? I have been there. Trust me. Um, I was there. They have a massage chair at Good Life. Um, <laughs> promise. Um, there was actually someone from the church that used to come to the gym after I came to the gym, and I was always waiting for Amy shoes on the treadmill because running, don't run unless you're being chased. Um, but I, uh, I was always sitting in the massage chair when they came, and they were convinced that's the only thing I did there. And I was like, I promise, I lifted something, I drank water, it was, it was good. Um, but if you've been to the gym, it's really easy to, it doesn't matter what shape you're in, there's someone that's in better shape than you, and you're like, oh, man, I wish I could do that. I don't have that muscle. Where's... I didn't even know that existed. And you're always comparing yourself, um, especially in today's culture. But everyone's on a different journey. That person might have been born that size. There's some people that come out 6'4", fully jacked, and it's crazy. Um, And then some people, it's a real process. But 
we can't look at other people and compare ourselves. It's the same way in our relationship with God. We can look at someone and be like, man, that comes so easy to them. Or, man, they just aren't hung up. Like, they, they can talk to anybody. Or they can just go and pray with anybody or whatever. But we can't get hung up on that because that's not us. That's not, it can be, but we're on our own process. I can't run at full speed and also watch someone else run at full speed because I'm going to trip or I'm going to fall or I'm going to slow down or whatever. I also can't run at full speed, but that's besides the point. Um, but everybody's journey looks different and yours is going to look different from mine, vice versa. But that doesn't mean that the work being done is any less important or any less valuable. And we have to trust that process. Psalm 26, 11 says, but as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. No matter what's going on around me, no matter what environment I'm in, no matter who or what is around me, I'm going to continue on my path and push forward because that's what I can do. I can't affect, I can affect someone else's path, but that's a different story. But I can't change myself by all these different things. I can just focus on me and work on that. Like I said, there's different cuts of meat. I'm going back to the meat because that's what I like. Um, each one needs a slightly different approach. If you've got a better cut of meat, you're going to need to do less to it. You've got uh, uh, maybe a rougher cut of meat or whatever. You might need to trim some stuff off. You might need to marinate it, soften it up, tenderize it, whatever. But it doesn't mean that it's not going to taste good at the end. But there's always something that the chef might be able to add or take away. But the end goal is the same to be a good meal. So when God looks at us, does he, is he pleased or does he spit us out? When others are with us, do they leave refreshed, do they leave fed, or do they, they leave feeling gross or indifferent or bad? Um, those high heat moments, like I said, you got to cook a steak on high meat, kill all the bacteria, high heat cook, kill all the bacteria, all these things. These high heat moments are where the junk gets burned off and where you begin to see the plan come to fruition, where you begin to see it cooking on the outside. Some people stop too early. When God is working on them, they're not quite done. They stop too early. Whether you get nervous, whether something happens in your life, whether you get frustrated, maybe you're not seeing the process happen, and we jump out. Like in Mark 10, we see the rich man he comes to Jesus, and he asks, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, well, you know the commandments. You know what you're supposed to do. You have all the commandments. You love people. You love God. That's what you do. Live that out. Live for God. And the man says, well, yeah, I've been doing that my whole life. What's next? What's the next step? This guy is already a godly man. He's already following what he knows, but he's looking to go further. And then Jesus points out that if he truly wants to follow him, he has to give up his possessions, sell them, donate the money. And verse 22 says, at this, at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Now, you never know. He might have been sad because uh, he had a lot of possessions, and we all know how much work it is to put together a giant yard sale. So maybe he was just frustrated at that. Like, oh, man, i got to sell everything. But I used to see this as Jesus being nitpicky, as Jesus being kind of like, well, okay, fine, you asked, uh, do this. But in verse 21, it says that Jesus felt genuine love for him. 
when he talked to him. Jesus was really, I mean, we know Jesus was compassionate, but when Jesus saw him, he felt genuine love, and he's like, okay, God, what is the thing that he's looking for? What, what does he need? What's his obstacle? And Jesus saw that this was his hurdle. Um, Jesus saw that all these possessions, that was his thing. And it doesn't mean that you can't have possessions. Sometimes people look at this and they're like, well, we can't have anything. But it doesn't mean we can't have possessions. It means that in this situation, Jesus saw that for him to get to the next step, this was his hurdle. And so it's not a matter of the stuff necessarily. It was a matter of when God convicts us to do something that's hindering our growth, are we willing to give it up or are we going to walk away sad? Those are the high heat moments. Abraham was the other side of the spectrum. In Genesis 22, we see that God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac to him. And Abraham agrees. He follows through with it. I think I've said it before, but that must have been like, I'm sure Isaac was confused at the top when he starts getting tied up and, hey, Dad, what's going on? I'm not wood. Um, and where's the sheep? But it would have been also a weird conversation back down the mountain. Like, that's a long trip just to be like, so what was that about, Dad? <laughs> like, I noticed you didn't bring Dave, our goat, with us. He got off. Oh, anyway. Um, but God provided the ram. We know that. And we know that Abraham passed the test. Abraham proved that he could uh, prioritize God. And that was his hurdle. That was what God was testing him in. Will you trust me no matter what? You have this beloved son. Will you trust me even with him? And Abraham passed. Job trusted God through amazing hardship. Jesus trusted God through temptation in the desert and other things, obviously. David trusted God through hiding, being hunted by King Saul. Um, that's a long time between when David gets anointed as king and when he finally becomes king. That's a lot of trust that he's got, trusting that process. Um, Rakshak, oh, sorry. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Veggie Tales, Rakshak, and Benny. Sorry. It's just, it's ingrained in my head. Um, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they literally had a high heat moment when they were thrown in the furnace and had to trust God and stand up for him amidst all that and tested their faith that way. But there are going to be high heat moments in our life that God will use. It doesn't mean that God's like throwing us into these things or causing all these things to happen, but God will capitalize on a high heat moment to teach us something, to trim away the fat, to trim away, burn off some of the, the gross things in our life or whatever, that he wants to get rid of so that we can move on to our next step in our faith. And if we can move through that and we can get on that track, then we move closer and closer toward the ultimate goal of sanctification. And sanctification is a refining process. Sometimes it hurts, sometimes it takes a while, but it's a necessary process in our journey with God. 2 Timothy 2.21 says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, He'll be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. The dictionary refers to sanctification simply as the state of growing in divine grace. And I think that's exactly what we're doing. We're striving to grow and improve 
in the grace that God gives us. Because without that grace, that divine patience, we've got no chance. But he's so patient, and he's so loving, and just his grace is like so much, and his grace is sufficient. We know that, but it's still mind-blowing sometimes. And the thing I love about our relationship with God is that it's never him running ahead and waiting impatiently for us to catch up. Like, he's coming over here. He's like, okay, let's go. We're going to, what are you doing? Don't, uh, and just like, uh, it's like, he's never that. It's never, it's not like, it's not like when you're trying to walk through a, like a Toys R Us with a four-year-old and you're like, okay, time to go. We're going to get, no, what? don't eat the silly putty. Just stop. Come on. And you're trying to, yeah, it's not, it's not like that. It's Jesus waiting and God's just taking us by the hand and leading us also similar to walking with a toddler, but he leads us and he guides us and he's always holding our hand and he never lets go. But it is, like when you walk with a toddler <laughs> and, you try and you try and stop them from running and falling, you try and stop them from jumping in puddles and you're, you're trying to stop them, they kind of do what they want for the most, point, most part, but you're trying to guide them, you're trying to lead them um, and you let them walk. Sometimes you let them go, run away, you scoop them up, take them where you want to go, but you're still leading them to an extent. God still leads us, because if, if you stopped every time, for those of you who have toddlers, if you stopped every time that they saw something shiny, you would never get where you need to go. So sometimes it takes a little gentle leading, um, but you're always there. Um, I'll invite the music, musicians, you guys can come on back up. We've still got some time. Um, I love what uh, Helen McMinn said last week uh, when she spoke. She said, God's plan is not just to adopt us into himself, but to shape us into what we were intended to be. We've all been on this journey uh, as a staff for a little while and now into the board and, and, and the church with hearing God and all these things that we're learning, um, whether it was Jason Chan, Dan Moeller, and just the process of all these things. Um, but we're learning and becoming more aware of the gifts at our disposal and the ability that we have as children of God to hear God's voice. And it's been really cool to see us now moving from a place where we say, like, yeah, I believe that God still speaks to us today, and I believe we can still hear God today, to actually talking about experiences where we heard God. Experiences where it's not just like we're a church that believes that God speaks. It's like, no, we're a church that hears God speak. We're a church that actually listens for God to speak, not just saying that he does and then go doing our own thing. And we trust it. That's the big thing. Like, it's one thing, like I said, to say that we can hear God's voice, but do we actually trust it? Do our decisions and our actions show that we trust God, or is our life full of backup plans? Our church, we're not about making everyone the same, or saying you've got to be at this level, or you're out. Um, that's not what it's about. Our church, uh, our heart as a church, and it should be the same as believers, is to take anyone from where they are to the next step. Take anyone from, okay, you're here, well, okay, we're going to bring you to here. If you're here, okay, we want to guide you, we want to help you to get to here. Because it's a, every, everything is growth. Maybe your next step is stepping out in faith and talking to someone at work. Maybe your next step is um, being saved, becoming a Christian, accepting Jesus. Maybe your next step is baptism or speaking in tongues or praying with someone in the street. Whatever, wherever we are, there's always a next step. Jesus himself 
baptized and filled, it was baptized and filled before unlocking it. If Jesus had to take steps in his life, so do we. I just started carrying uh, this notebook, little cheap shopper's flippy notebook. Woo! Um, but I just started carrying it around, and I keep it so I can write things that I feel God sharing with me, things that I feel him saying, um, whether it's conversations, convictions, little thoughts, drop a verse, whatever it is, I keep this. I used to do it on my phone, um, and it's fine. My phone's got lots of space, all that stuff, but I find that just writing it down, physically going and like having to think about the words and think about it and really physically have to write it down um, makes it stick and, and it makes me really think about it instead of either like voice texting while I'm driving or whatever. Don't do that. Um, but as we wrap up and as the band plays, um, I want to invite the altar team to come up and, and stand. We've got lots of time uh, because I'm, I'm more more concise. I like to think I'm more efficient. Um, you can tell him I said that. He'll listen to the podcast. He's shaking his head right now. Um, but uh, I want everyone, as the altar team comes, I want everyone to just bow your head real quick because your next step might be to accept Jesus. And we don't want to single you out, but I want you to just pray this with with me in your heart. Say, say these words if you're thinking, man, I want to be a part of this. Maybe, maybe in the worship, maybe uh, you talked to someone beforehand and you're just, maybe you've been on a long journey and this is like the day where you're like, you know what, I want to give it over. I want to, I want to be a part of this. I want, I'm tired of doing things my own way. I want Jesus to be a part of my life. And so I just want you to repeat this uh, in your heart with me and uh, then we'll keep going, but repeat this with me. Jesus, I love you. I want you to be Lord of my life. I'm tired of doing things my own way. I need you to guide me. I surrender my life to you today. In your name, amen.